it's Friday night, and that means it's time for the Three Valleys Radio Racing Show. On the show tonight, we've got Rod Millman from Columpton. Our usual tipsters, Dave Wilson and Colin Brown, will be here. Simon Holt from the Sporting Life will be joining us. And we hope Richard Phillips and Tom Ward. So sit tight and hopefully we'll find some winners for you. Good evening and welcome to another edition of The Racing Show. My name's A.D. Hopper. I'm here to steer you through the show. And as usual, we're going to start with all the racing news with Mike Patton. Hello and a warm welcome to the latest edition of The Racing News. With all the news that is the news from the racing media, which includes Racing TV, The Racing Post and The Sporting Life. Here's our first story today. Andrea Atzini has been landed the plum ride on the anti-post favourite Al Mubia in the Pertemps Network Lincoln Handicap at Doncaster on Saturday. Trained by William Haggis, Al Mubia has been backed into a general 4-1 to from double-figure odds only a week ago. Tom Marquand has been the usual partner of the four-year-old in the past, but he is currently riding in Australia after recovering from a shoulder injury. Haggis's apprentice, Adam Farragher, who was set to ride in the Lincoln a year ago on the stable's leading fancy, Mujtaba, until suffering an injury at the 11th hour, is also still in Australia riding track work for the Somerville Lodge operation. Haggis, whose other runner, Montasib, is set to be partnered by Kieran Fallon, had hoped to get Ryan Moore for Almubia, but he has commitments elsewhere, so has opted for Atzini. Atzini will be bidding to win the traditional curtain raiser to the flat for the first time. Haggis has won it four times previously, most recently with subsequent multiple Group 1 winner Adave in 2018. Atzini's agent Stephen Cross said, Andrea has been booked for Almubia and fingers crossed he goes there with a life chance. He was already riding at the meeting as he's been booked to ride for Charlie Johnston in the Spring Mile. Benoit de la Sayette, who won the race as a £7 claimer on Hakiki for his retainers John and Thady Gosden two years ago, will bid to repeat the trick aboard Saga. Now a £3 claiming champion apprentice, de la Sayette will don the collars of the king and queen consort on the grey, who is a general 16 to 1 chance for glory on Town Moor. And next, here on the Racing News. Three companies that fall under the umbrella of the William Hill Group will pay a total of £19.2 million for social responsibility and anti-money laundering failures, the Gambling Commission revealed on Tuesday. The record penalty, which eclipses the £17 million action taken against Entain last August, comes after it was found customers were able to deposit large sums of money without the appropriate checks. 
One customer was allowed to open a new account and spend £23,000 in 20 minutes without any checks, while another was permitted to spend and lose £70,134 in a month without sufficient checks. The payment will be made to socially responsible good causes with WHG International, which runs WilliamHill.com, to pay £12.5 million, Mr Green, which runs MrGreen.com, an online gambling company founded in 2007, will pay £3.7 million, while the William Hill Organisation Limited, which oversees more than 1,300 betting outlets across Britain, will pay £3 million. Andrew Rhodes, Chief Executive of the Gambling Commission, told the BBC's Today programme, The reason we have the requirements to have controls in place is to stop people being able to spend such large amounts of money so quickly without intervention. It may be that they can't afford it. It may be that it's a choice they want to make. But we have to have safeguards in place and William Hill accept that they simply didn't have them at the time. Rhodes added in a statement on the Gambling Commission website, When we launched this investigation, the failings we uncovered were so widespread and alarming, serious consideration was given to licence suspension. However, because the operator immediately recognised their failings and worked with us to swiftly implement improvements, we instead opted for the largest enforcement payment in our history. The Gambling Commission's latest action comes less than a week after it handed out a £7.1 million penalty to the Kindred Group, with the organisation's Platinum Gaming, which runs Unibet, and 32 Red fined for social responsibility and anti-money laundering failures. It is the 26th enforcement case concluded by the Gambling Commission since the start of last year, Rhodes said. In the last 15 months, we have taken unprecedented action against gambling operators, but we are now starting to see signs of improvement. There are indications that the industry is doing more to make gambling safer and reducing the possibility of criminal funds entering their businesses. Our operators are using algorithms to spot gambling harms or criminal risk more quickly, interacting with customers sooner and generally having more effective policies and procedures in place. The cases which led to the punishments occurred between 2020 and 21, before 888 Holdings completed its takeover of William Hill last year. An 888 spokesman said, The settlement relates to the period when William Hill was under the previous ownership and management. After William Hill was acquired, the company quickly addressed the identified issues with the implementation of a rigorous action plan. The entire group shares the Gambling Commission's commitment to improve compliance standards across the industry, and we will continue to work collaboratively with the regulator and other stakeholders to achieve this. There have been speculation that William Hill could be facing a penalty as high as £30 million. And so David Brougham, who's an analyst at Stockbroker's Goodbody, said the figure was at the lower end of expectations. However, he added in a note, The quote from Andrew Rhodes about a licence suspension being considered is quite alarming, as are some of the individual cases highlighted in the statement. 888 share price, which has fallen sharply over the last 12 months, was down one pence at 53.5 pence on Tuesday morning. And next, here on the Racing News. 
The social responsibility a bookmaker has to its customers is set to be examined this week as a self-confessed compulsive gambler attempts to recover his betting losses from Star Sports in a case that began in County Court on Monday. Scott O'Brien of Knightsbridge claims Star Sports were aware of his gambling problem and therefore should have restricted his betting activity at the firm's shop in Mayfair between September 14, 2018 and March 30, 2019. O'Brien is understood to have staked £419,252 over-the-counter during that time, suffering net losses of £48,859 from his bets. The period in question closed with the claimant staking £111,945,000 on March the 30th for net losses of £53,820 on the day. O'Brien said those figures did not take into account the money he was staking and losing on betting terminals in the Star Sports shop, although the defence disputes whether he ever used the terminals. Among the issues set to be examined by the claimant's counsel this week is whether Starsports complied with the social responsibility code provisions to its applicable operating licence and, if not, did the claimant sustain losses as a result. On day one of the trial on Monday, O'Brien told the court how he had spent 10 months in rehab for his problem gambling between 2002 and 2003 and visited Gamblers Anonymous. He also said that his addiction had previously led him to attempt to take his own life. O'Brien said he first confessed his gambling problem to Star Sports when he recognised a cashier as a parent from the same school his children attended. Worried she might tell his ex-partner, he said he revealed to cashier Gemma Mehmet that he had a bit of a problem and that he did not want his ex-partner to find out, fearing it could restrict him seeing his children if she knew he was gambling. However, Chris Gillespie, barrister for the defence, disputed O'Brien's recollection of the conversation with Mehmet, telling him, The real point is, you never told Gemma Mehmet about your gambling problem, and suggesting this is all nonsense. Unwittingly, Mehmet, who now lives in Spain, played a big part in proceedings on day one, as the circumstances around her absence from court were deemed to be, quote, in breach of civil procedure rules by Judge Heather Boucher, who said she would permit Mehmet's previous statement to be relied upon for now, but considering Mehmet cannot be cross-examined by the claimant's legal team, what weight could ultimately be given to her statement remained in question. O'Brien's claim was the focal point on Monday and he came under sustained examination from Gillespie for the defence who said the claimant liked to make a quote a great play to how wealthy and well connected he was. Among the revelations were O'Brien's former relationship with Claire Cordwell former partner of billionaire Phones for You founder John Cordwell and that he had made £2.2 million when a business in which he was a director sold for £9 million. The court also heard how he lost £836,000 in one night at a casino, only to make it all back and more during a purple patch over the following eight months. Four days have been set aside at the Central London County Court for the hearing. Now next, here on The Racing News. Doncaster's investment in the Lincoln has led to a resurgence in interest, with 69 horses confirmed for Saturday's Heritage Handicap. 
There were just 42 confirmations at the five-day stage 12 months ago, down from 64 in 2021, and a huge drop from the 91 in 2017. But the race is worth £150,000 this year, up from 100000 and connections appear to have taken note. The poor turnout last year meant just nine horses were declared for the spring mile, one of whom was a non-runner. But the Lincoln's Consolation Race is set to attract a much bigger field on the opening day of the flat turf season this time. Doncaster Clerk of the Course, Paul Barker, said, We're delighted with the turnout. Obviously, the increase in price money for that race and the spring mile has helped. It's nice to see so many horses standing their ground and we'll look forward to seeing how many stay in on Thursday. After the increase to the prize fund, the Spring Mile is worth only £25,000 less than last year's Lincoln. The investment has worked for us and we're more than happy with where we stand. The whole card looks very good and we've had an increased numbers in the Brocklesby too, so I'm really pleased. Antipost favourite Al Mubia was one of the 69 confirmations as his Irish Lincolnshire winning trainer William Haggis bids for a famous double to bring in the new flat season. However, connections of Majestic, a general 10 to 1 shot, will need a good slice of fortune as the five-year-old is number 27 on the list in a race that has a maximum field of 22. Majestic provided Mick Channon with his final big race winner when he won the Cambridgeshire at Newmarket in September and his son Jack is hoping he could be a springboard to a successful campaign. And our final story here on the Racing News. Simon and Ed Crisford enjoyed their best season as a partnership in 2022 and after a successful winter campaign at Maiden with Dubai World Cup runner-up Algiers, they will be looking forward to AWOL to kick off their British season in style. The four-year-old won two of his four starts in his debut season, easily landing a red car handicap on his final run of the year. He has been gelded over the winter and given his red car win came on heavy ground, connections will be pleased by a wet forecast. Baradar, who made a winning debut for George Bowie over seven furlongs at Doncaster in November, is another prominent figure in the anti-post market for a stable which was another to enjoy productive winter in the Middle East with Al Dasim. Last year's Lincoln was run on good to soft ground, but heavy could be in the going description this weekend, with Barker expecting sustained rain all through the week. This has been this week's edition of the Racing News, with all the news that is the news across the racing media, including Racing TV, the Racing Post and the Sporting Life. Join us again next week for more racing news. Thanks for listening. And now let's have a look and see where we can go racing this weekend. Well, there are seven races on the flat at Bellastone in Ireland with a 120 start. Seven races at Kempton Park on the all-weather with a 130 start. Eight races on the flat at Doncaster, including, of course, the Lincoln, with a 150 start. Seven races over the jumps at Utoxeter, with a 210 start. Six races over the jumps at Stratford, with a 217 start. And seven races over the flat on the Chelmsford all-weather track, with a 530 start. And on Sunday... There are seven races over the jumps at Downpatrick in Ireland with a 140 start, seven races over the jumps at Ascot with a 150 start, seven races on the flat at Leopardstown, two o'clock start, 
and seven races on the flat at Doncaster, a 2.10 start. It's time to have a look at another Equine Superstar. Equine Superstars. This week we're looking at Northern Dancer. Northern Dancer was a bay stallion by a near attic out of Natalma and was foaled on May the 27th, 1961 in Ontario, Canada. Northern Dancer was bred by Edward P. Taylor who owned Winfield Palms. His trainer was Horatio Luro and he ran a record 18 times. He won in 1963, the Summer Stakes, the Coronation Futurity Stakes, the Remsen Stakes, and in the 64, Flamingo Stakes, the Florida Derby, the Bluegrass Stakes, the Queen's Plate, and the Kentucky Derby, and the Preakness Stakes. Northern Dancer won $580,647,000 US dollars. At the end of his racing career, Northern Dancer went to stud. Northern Dancer was the 20th century's most successful thoroughbred sire. From 645 named foals, he sired 411 winners, that's 63.7%, and 147 stakes winners, 22.8%. Northern Dancer was retired from stud on April the 15th, 1987, having started to experience heart problems and arthritis. On November the 15th, 1990, at the age of 29, he suffered a severe colic, possibly complicated by a strangulation of his small intestine. Due to his age, it was felt that Northern Dancer would be unable to survive surgery, so he was put to sleep on November the 16th. But he'll always go down as one of the most incredible horses. Now let's listen to one of Northern Dancer's victories in the 1964 Preakness Stakes in the U.S. of A. It's the great northern dancer in the 1964 pre- They're up. Away to a good start. The scoundrel off a little bit on the start. Pinched off between northern dancer and hill rise. He's now trailing, but they're running into tight bunch as they come past the stands the first time with Big Pete on the lead. That's Big Pete out in front. Northern dancer, hill rise, and quadrangle moving up on the outside of him, bringing up the rear of the scoundrel and Roman brother. And as they go to the first turn, Big Pete holds the lead and the rail. He's out there by a head, quadrangle, left to the outside, is second by three-quarters of a length. Northern Dancer is third. Uh, the Scoundrel is moving up on the inside now and gets to fourth. Hill rises in tight quarters, and uh, Bill Shoemaker just biding his time as he sets him in fifth position going around the turn with Roman Brother last. Now they spin out of the turn and start down the back stretch. Big Pete in front by Justin Owes. Quadrangle being rated right alongside of him, but not wanting to pass him this early in the game. Northern Dancer is third. He'll rise now. Is moving a little earlier than was true in the Derby. He's going up to fourth on the outside. The Scoundrel is running fifth, and Roman Brother is a close sixth. 
Halfway down the back stretch, they're in a tight bunch. Now Quadrangle has the lead, and Northern Dancer and Hillrise are going up on the outside. Big Pete is finished and is dropping back. They go to the far turn, and it is Northern Dancer, Quadrangle, Hillrise racing headed head, and the scoundrel is right behind them. Roman Brother now moves up in the fifth position. Big Pete drops off the last. Northern Dancer, halfway around the turn, has the lead. It's Northern Dancer on the lead. Hillrise is running second on the outside. Quadrangle snug on the rail is third. And now the horses stand out a little bit from the rail as they're coming down the turn. And here they are on the home stretch. Northern Dancer showing the way. It's Northern Dancer out in front by a couple of lengths. Hillrise is running second at the eighth pole. The scoundrel under a whip is coming up to third. The Quadrangle is hanging in there third as well. Northern Dancer leading by two and a half lengths. The scoundrel moving to second. Hillrise is third. Quadrangle is fourth. Here comes that finish line. Northern Dancer by two lengths. Memories of the great Northern Dancer. Well, now we're going to catch up with trader Tom Ward, who's just travelling through Heathrow Airport, coming back from holiday. Um, so hopefully he'll have a few uh, interesting facts for us for the new season. Um, well, Tom, thanks for joining us on the show. Um, uh, travelling through Heathrow Airport or whatever must be a, a busy life for you. Um, how's, the, yeah, how's, the, how's the winter been? Yeah, it's been good, actually. We've had a good start to the year. We've had three winners on the board, and we had a nice runner in France last week. It was third in a listed race. So, well, yeah, the team are getting rolling now, so we've got a nice team I hope to go to war with. Yeah. Um, I see you've got one over the weekend, Urban Jungle. Yeah, she's probably going to be better off in handicaps, but she um, she'll hopefully run well. Yeah. And uh, what about Hot to Trot this year? Have you got any Hot to Trot horses? I have, yes, I've got a whole filly called, uh, she's called Flemish, a two-year-old. She's unraced, but she's nice. She's small, but racy, and hopefully she'll be out in the next sort of six weeks. Um, but she's, no, she's a nice filly, I think. Well, if you can, if you can replicate the, the, the success you had with Roman Mist, I think you'd be well pleased, wouldn't you? No, exactly, definitely, definitely, definitely. I think <laughs> we've got, a, hopefully got a nice horse to go to war with again. Yeah, and uh, have you got any other uh, little gems waiting to sort of bounce onto the seed and take us all by surprise? Um, they've got some nice two-year-olds. Um, none of them are sort of that ready to run yet, but hopefully they'll be out in the next sort of four or five weeks as well. But they've got Frazzi Lane running in the all-weather championships next weekend at Lingfield, and I think he'd he'd have a bit of a chance having one last time. He's only got only went up a pound. You'd be hoping he'd be uh, he'd be able to run well again. Any, any others that might sort of grab the eye? Uh, there's some, some nice three-year-olds, progressive horse called Garrett Painter. He's, he won last time. He's going to go for a handicap in Goodwood in about a month's time. Yeah. Um, he looks pretty useful. Um, but yeah, we've got a nice team, I think. Just sort of progressive progressive horses, I hope. And uh, any particular jockey picked out to ride them? Uh, hopefully a bit of, bit of Tom Marquand and Sean Levy and Holly Doyle and Best Available, really, whoever's, whoever yeah. I can get hold of. Well, because you had Tom last year, didn't you, for a lot of your, your rides? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I try and get the best of my can available, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, then, Tom. Well, look, thank you very much indeed for coming on so uh, unexpectedly. And, um, you no know, we'll, we'll look forward to talking to you again in a few weeks, if that's all right. Perfect, yeah. Thanks, Eddie. That's Lovely great. Job. Thanks awesome. a lot. Take it easy then, mate. Cheers. Well, that was Lambourne trainer Tom Ward, all set for the new season. And now we're going to talk to Richard Phillips with, hopefully, the winner of the Lincoln. Well, good afternoon, Richard. Welcome to the show again. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, Lincoln next week. The flat racing season is about to start in earnest. Um, what have you got for us? Yeah, uh, 
Good afternoon, Adrian. Yeah, once again, um, we've got a really interesting Lincoln handicap. This race used to be one for just possibly the ordinary handicappers these days. There's some group horses that are lurking in the wings that try and win this great prize, which is the first handicap of the turf season. So lots of excitement with the start of the flat proper with uh, the turf season starting at Doncaster. The, this year's Lincoln looks a quality affair. Al Mubir is the favourite. William Haggis is. It's been heavily backed as one on this course before and one on this sort of ground. Awal is the Simon Crisford's second favourite, also fancied. And a couple of outsizers in Atrium of Charlie Fellows. He also goes on the ground. And Croupier looks an each-way chance at a Crisford camp as well. He ran heavy ground uh, as a three-year-old, but um, he finished, disappointing that day, fourth. But if you look to horses, he finished behind. There were group horses. So, in a way, uh, the soft ground at Doncaster, he might go in. And Croupier could be the each-way bet, about 25-1. to 1, But Almobir looks like a worthy favourite from the Haggis camp. OK. Now... Um... We did talk about uh, horses to follow on the flat last week, and I gather you've got a few. And I suppose, uh, you know, when you, you give us those, that that will indicate to a certain degree trainers to follow as well. Yeah, I mean, I put myself in a few little competitions to try and pick out the um, horses to follow for the season. And so I, uh, I study a few things. I normally put in the um, tried and tested. Um, Aidan O'Brien's always got some great horses lurking along with Sir Michael Stout, John Gosden, uh, also Dermot Weld has a very good one, and and um, Simon Crisford looks to have a good year as well. So um, Andrew Balding has got some fancies for the classics as well this year. But um, there's a few horses I think that are going to be really interesting this year. Uh, let's start with Dermot Weld's Tahira. She's a Group 1 filly by Sayuni. Sayuni is a really good sire, but his horses go on soft ground. She won a Group 1 on a second run, and she looked a superstar that day beating horse called Meditate, who is the O'Brien camp from Bally Doyle, who went on to um, actually win at Keeneland in the Breeders' Cup after that. So um, I think basically Taira looks very good, but maybe she's a horse that wants soft ground. And Meditate, for me, is a horse that could well go on and run in an Oaks as well. But they look really two good fillies, Tahira of Dermot Wales and Meditate of Aidan O'Brien's. When it comes to the Colts, August Rodin is... Uh, Gus Rodan is a really good horse, really good two-year-old Raiden O'Brien's. Won the Futurity at Doncaster uh, on heavy ground, a group one at the end of the season. They think this horse very highly. Might well go in the Guineas at, at Newmarket. And might well run the Derby as well. They also have Little Big Bear uh, from the Ballydoor camp. This is also one at Royal Ascot in the Windsor Castle. And also won a group one over six furlongs. He's not gone the mile, but he's bred to get it. Uh, he's by no nay never out of bearing mare. So he's the family of all along they want us an Arctic triumph so you'd think that little big bear looks very fast but he looks as though he could get a mile but might well go back to sprinting after that so Aidan O'Brien's got two really live classic chances in little big bear and all gas Rodin as well so um and of course we've got some older horses to, to race this year last year's derby winner desert crown he looks really impressive didn't run after that but has been given time and i know the stout camp think this is a real proper Derby winner and could well go and win some big uh, group ones this year, along with Emily Upjohn. is another one from the Gosden camp. She was very impressive at the um, Champions Day. Uh, she lost her way a little bit. She was second in the Oaks. You could, she well have 
well have won that. Uh, didn't have the best of runs that day, but uh, disappointed in the King George, but came back to form big style at Ascot. And Emily Upjohn could have a good year. And uh, Bay Bridge, of course, in the stout camp as well. He was a very good horse last year, looked an improver. And Sir Michael is brilliant at bringing these young horses on. But if we're looking for a few outsiders, a bit of interest, really. I would say Nostrum is a horse that could well be a classic horse of Sir Michael Stout's. Also a horse called Adelaide River. Um, from Aidan O'Brien's. He's a son of Australia. I think Ballydoyle, think the world of horses by Australia, he could well be the best stallion standing at Cornwall uh, long-term. And Adelaide River looks a big price uh, for some for the classics, including the Derby. And maybe he's he's one to be backing for that. And another Godston horse, Arrest, who showed decent two-year-old form. Again, these trainers, Godston's, O'Brien's, Stout's, they know exactly what they've got on their hands and they train them to be two year, three-year-olds rather than two-year-olds. So, so many nice young horses to look out for this season. And, of course, um, Westover had a, a good run in second place in Maydown last weekend, uh, uh, beaten by this Equinox from Japan. What, what do you know about that one? Well, Westover, Westover ran a cracker. He pulled really hard under Ryan Moore uh, and he stayed on brilliantly up the, up the straight in the Shima Classic. And Westover was runner, well, third in the Epsom Derby, winner of the Irish Derby last year, then lost his way a little bit in the um, King George, along with Emily Upjohn, but looks as though he's back to form and a great Group 1 performer for these mile-and-a-half races, I would have thought, this year, especially if he learns to settle better. But the winner, Equinox, was out of this world. Mm. This horse, trained in Japan, just from the front, just eased with very little effort into the straight, having made the running, and just went... Oh, way in brilliant fashion to win this uh, Shima Classic from Westover who's a decent Group 1 horse. So Equinox looks like an unbelievably promising horse and Japan as a thoroughbred nation has really come to the fore when it comes to flat racing. They're internationally challenging everywhere, whether it's um, in the Breeders' Cup or whether it's the Dubai World Cup. They won that uh, last weekend and also they always wanted to win the arc they yet to win the arc to triumph they've had a few near misses but uh, equinox looks like a superstar and if he did come over for the arc he would take a lot of beating i think in the way that he he way he sluiced up at the weekend i mean there seems to be talk of the possibility of him coming to england for the summer but um how would you compare him to baid then well very good point um but it, it's quite difficult to take horses from one um, part of the world to another and perform at their very best. They're very good in their in in their zone, as it were. And of course, Jap Japanese horses going to Dubai this time of year would be far easier for them to come to what is be our midsummer. It wouldn't be necessarily their peak of their season. So, it, Equinox, uh, ironically, would be coming out of its uh, out of its comfort zone, as it were. So, um, but. If he did do that, it'd be absolutely fascinating. But it, it's quite hard to do that. We've seen horses from yeah. Australia come up. Black Caviar uh, managed to just hang on. She was a superstar, but she was sort of out of season, as it were, coming to Royal Ascot. And uh, although the Australians have done very well sprinting-wise in the summer, it's not always that easy for, for thoroughbreds to go from one part of the world to the other and perform at their very best. But let's hope Equinox can, because he's the most magnificent-looking horse. And he looked as though he found racing so easy i mean he was just yeah. absolutely cruising throughout and he was so impressive and we can't wait to see him again and and, and would you you know how would you compare him to Baid? i mean you think better or on a par 
Um, very difficult to compare, um, but I would have said that certainly on a par with Baid's wonderful victory, uh, certainly at York last year, he was he, when he's stepping up to a mile and a quarter. I think um, Baid was, you know, unbeaten until he came to Ascot and got beaten on that very soft ground. Yeah. Again, uh, Equinox would be running on firmish ground um, in Japan. These horses, most Japanese horses go on. The ground is essential to these horses. And um, we'll see if he's as good when he goes on soft. But Equinox certainly looked brilliant on that ground at du in Dubai. And it's, if he can do that on softer ground as well, he really is a champion. Great. OK, Richard. Well, thank you for that. That's uh, very concise. I've got to write all those horses down now. <laughs> um, yeah, but Next week, we, we, we're going to look at the uh, the Grand National, which is getting ever closer, and uh, look forward to hearing your ideas on that. So until then, thank you very much for your time, sir. No problem at all, and let's hope we have a great Lincoln and a great start to the flat season. Lots to look forward to, but of course, Grand National, the best 10 minutes of the year, and can't wait for that coming up. Great. Thanks, Richard. Speak to you next week. No problem. Thank you, Adrian. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that was Richard Phillips with his uh, horses to follow, and of course... A little bit of chat about the Lincoln and that great looking horse, Equinox. But now we're going to talk to Dave Wilson about great looking horses that he thinks are going to win. Well, good evening, Dave. How are you today? Had a good weekend? Yeah, very well. Uh, we're in that in-between period of uh, Cheltenham and Aintree festivals with the National Hunt and the flat season starting. So... Uh, we're going to have a little look at Doncaster this week and move over to the flat and see what we can uh, come up with from there for you. Okay, mate. I'll settle for that. So, we're going to have a look at the first four races at Doncaster. The first race, the 150, is a two-year-old maiden, unraced horses, a whole lot of them. And we've got a little bit of information about the Adrian Nichols horse, and it's quite well fancied from what I hear. It's priced up at 33 to 1 at the moment, but obviously this is a race where they're just looking at breeding and where they come from and things like that because they've got no form to go on whatsoever. So the horse that we're looking at is Tease Doogie, and uh, we're told he's got a very, very good, lively chance of getting in the first two or three. Uh -huh. So uh, we're going to we're gonna have a little side up with him and see if our Man on the gallops up north is uh, correct with his stopwatch and see what he comes up with there. So we've got a 33 to 1 shot, and it's Tease Doogie in the first at Doncaster on Saturday. That's the one, the one, 150. Tease. That's a 150. Num Tease Doogie, number 15. Where do they get these names from? God knows. Tease Doogie. I mean, what does that mean? Uh, I think it's something to do with Teesside, where the, the owners are based. So, oh, uh, right. Well, that, that's your northerners, isn't it? Yeah. That's your northerners, yeah. pet. Tease Doogie, <laughs> so I, I, I would imagine it's uh, short for Teesside Douglas. Yeah, so, could well uh, be, could well be. Okay, mate, well, Tease Doogie it is. Tease Doogie it is. So, moving down to the second race, and uh, the horse we like is... Uh, Roger Fell horse uh, going to be ridden by Johnny Peaty, and it's Harswell Duke. Now Harswell Duke's got a nice bit of profile on heavy going, which we're presuming it's going to be on Saturday. <clears throat> Obviously, the 
we've got weather forecasts uh, and warnings and everything down in the southwest uh, yeah. for, to, for Thursday and Friday, so we shall see. And I would imagine that the rain will continue up north anyway. But this fella's uh, definitely got good form on soft and heavy going. He won at Nottingham on the soft last year, and he won at Leicester on heavy last year as well. So uh, they're not too far back in his race form on the 5th and 24th of October, respectively. So uh, we know he's going to handle the going, whatever's thrown at him, and he's very well in on the on the weights as well. So uh, Oswell Duke's going to be the second bet there, and he's priced up at the moment with Sky Better, around about 12 to 1. We were paying seven places on the race, so uh, I think he's well worth having a bet there. Yeah, OK, fair enough. The third leg, we're going with an Andrew Baldwin horse here, and it's owned by His Majesty the King and Her Majesty the Queen Consort, and it's called King's Lynn. So yeah. uh, uh, one of the first ones we've tipped up to the king, and uh, obviously it's a new thing for us having the king as the owner instead of the queen. And uh, Andrew Baldwin's uh, had this horse in very good condition when he came out first time last year. He ran on the 6th of May after a 181-day break last year, and he got beat into second, and he was only beaten by Flaming Rib, who had a very good season last year. So uh, he, he, handles, uh, he handles the going, he handles early season form and he handles being fresh as well. So uh, I think Kingsley's going to have a very good chance. He's four places on the race and he's priced up at around about six to one with most of the firms at the moment. Andrew Baldwin, as I say, is in good form. He's had a couple of winners recently and uh, we shall see how this fella goes. But he definitely goes well after a break. He, When he was a youngster, he had a 338-day break and come out and was second to Starman. He had a 175-day break, come out and was only beaten three quarters of a length. And then, as I say, last year he had that 181-day break and come out and was second, only beaten by Flaming Ribs. So uh, he's a horse that goes well first time out, so he's going to be our third leg in the lucky 15. Right, you are. Moving down to the last leg for us, and we're going into the big race at Lincoln, and we're not looking any further than the William Haggish trained horse Alma Pia. Uh he's got some really solid form, he won at Haydock on very heavy going last year, he beat Fame and Acclaim very easily he come out after a 100 day break and was second at Goodwood last year and he just looks to have all of the answers to all of the questions, going trip, fresh everything in his favour and obviously William Haggis has just had the winner over in uh, in the Irish equivalent of this race as well last weekend. So uh, we think Elmer here is going to be very, very hard to beat in this race. And being out of Frankel, who stays 10.5 furlongs, it's, uh, it, it's one of them things we think he's going to be very, very well in there running over a mile. So uh, he's going to bring up the last leg of our uh, Each Way Lucky 15 this week. He's got Andrea Razzini riding him. Uh, who's a retained jockey for Sheikh Juma. So uh, Al, Al Muba here is going to be the last leg of our lucky 15, and he's priced up roughly around 4-1 to one at the moment. So uh, some big prices in there this week, and uh, moving on to the flat, and we shall see how we get on with it, mate. So, Absolutely, uh, yeah. It's going to be a bit, of a bit of a change. It always, it always is at this time of the year, as you rightly point out, and it's always difficult to suddenly start thinking flat horses again and flat jockeys and flat trainers and... You know, when you've been so so ingrained in the jumping scene, but uh, there we go, we've got to do it. Yeah, 
the thing is, uh, what the punters have got to remember is these horses are having their first run of the season. Now, in past seasons, they may have come out and run well fresh, but you don't know if they're going to be fully fit, if they're going to be trained up ready for these races or what's going on with them. So uh, just just bear that in mind when you're having your bets this weekend. And uh, as we always say at the start of the season, take it easy until you've got some rock-solid form to follow where you haven't got these 180-day breaks in between where the horses have last had their runs because you... We're, we're all betting blind, basically. We're not the jockeys, we're not the stable, we're not the trainers, and we don't know the ins and outs of what's happened over the last four or five months of these horses whilst they've been having their in-between season, basically. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't couldn't agree more. You've very sound advice there. OK, Dave, well, thank you very much for that. We will speak to you again next week, and, um, yeah, have a good week. Will do, mate. No problems. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. OK, well, that was Dave Wilson, and now it's the eve of the flat racing season. So, for the first time this year, we're going to catch up with Rod Millman down at Cullumpton. OK, well, good evening, Rod. Welcome back to the show. It's been six months. What sort of a winter have you had? Uh, well, quite a busy one, really. Um, we've been... We, we sold quite a few horses. Yeah. At the, at the uh, Horse and Training Centre Newmarket. And we've had 15 new two-year-olds arrive in the yard, um, which are all broken in and cantering away. Yeah. Um, so quite an exciting time, really, um, because that's where you get all your new horses from. You know, you just don't know what you've got until they start working, you know? Yeah, quite. And you had, uh, I think I'm right, did you have one today or was it yesterday you had a runner? I had a win a day before yesterday, um, yeah. Wilhampton won. Yeah, and then Bamalama um, yesterday, she was, she, she was she, she ran in quite a good race. She ran very well. She was fifth. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't have been very far, and it was a really good first run of the season. She hadn't run for oh, a long time. Yeah. But um, she, she put up a good show that was good. So can you pick out um, four or five of your sort of horses to follow, should we say? Um, well, obviously, from the older horse, two-year-old strength, we don't know yet. They're still still doing their prep work. Yeah. Um, but the older horses, I mean, we've had uh, just a spark. She's won her last two. Right. She would. She should be quite progressive still. Um, I would hope that she would be competitive for the next three races. Yeah. Uh, she is only a five-furlong horse. Uh, she had a very quiet year last year. She had a little bit of immaturity in her legs but now everything is settled down and she's in line for a good season right she right. goes to Sudo next sunday week yeah so um she's she's a nice filly um <clears throat> and obviously we've got the good sprinters from last year cooper mistress uh, well hampton like i say she won she was odds on this week at wolverhampton she won very easily um but it's the two-year-olds that excite me most um yeah. because you know, we just hope we might have another Cuban mistress in tagline amongst them. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. And I see you've got a few, um, well, a couple tomorrow, one on Saturday. Uh, no, two on Saturday. Only one running, only air, only air show on tomorrow. Right. Um, on Friday, we've got, um, or Saturday, sorry, we've got Billy Mill in the Constellation Leakin. Yeah. Um, he should run a good race. He's been working very well. Right. And, and has run well all season. And we've got Iknak Namur up at... Um, Kelmsford in the evening, and and I can see a, a, an old favourite of mine, Abel Kane. He's still around. Yes, he runs in in quite a good race, top weight at uh, 
Sunday at Sunday at um, Doncaster. So all very busy, really. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, now you've got. Uh, well, it's fairly safe to say one of the best jockeys in the business coming back to help you out. Yes, well, Shane, he's um, he's had th- six rides for us since he came back, and with three winners. Well, I think s- we've given him, we've given him the most amount of winners since he's come back, which is quite. Yeah, that's um, nice. And he he came down this morning and sat on a few. Yeah. So it was very good to get him to come down and ride a few. Um, uh, that's before he went to Wolverhampton this evening. And you got a run of this evening up there, have you? No, no, he's riding up there this evening. Oh, right, yeah. He came came down to us first. But does um, but, um, does does it follow? I mean, I, I always remember last year whenever you had a Sheen Murphy on a horse, it was it was almost a tip in itself. Is that still the case? Do you think? Yes, it would be. I mean, I, I I don't I I wouldn't ask him to ride a horse unless I fancied it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that's useful to know anyway. <laughs> just got to read the papers now, then, haven't I? <laughs> that's it, that's it. You know, no point in putting them on one just for a run around, you know? No, no. And, and I mean, what sort of targets have, have you set yourself? Any targets for this season? Well, we, 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 I never set targets really, but I mean, last year we had, um, I had 91 in the first two. Yeah, well, that's pretty good. Which was it? quite a record, really. Yeah. And anyone who looks at uh, James's uh, Twitter page, We've got to tell you that we were one of the top top stables for winners to runners last year in the country. Well, I can always remember last year. We often spoke of it on the on the phone, didn't we? That you know the number of seconds you were getting was unbelievable last year. Well, we ended up fifty one seconds, yeah, and forty winners. And um, now Oshin's back, and hopefully some of those seconds will will be winners. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um, you but, know, any any sort of. Little gems. I mean, out out of the two year olds, is there any one particular one that sort of jumps out at you? Uh, no, we just the whole team is looks strong this year. I, yeah. I can't really say at the moment. No. Um, generally speaking, our two year olds nearly always improve for a run. Yeah. Um, we don't we don't we don't wind them up too much at home. The trouble is with horses. If you if you concentrate too much on having them a hundred percent the first time, you're you're you you gee them up a bit too much. Um, if you look historically, a lot of two-year-olds run their best ever race first time out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they they have a really hard race, and then the next time they they try, they don't try go quite so well, and then they usually deteriorate. Yeah. Whereas most of my horses, if you if you look at our history, improve improve for running. You know. Well, you, it's just a sort of natural progression then, from your perspective. That is it. You know, let them let them start get the hang of it, and then hopefully gradually they'll yeah, improve they, each run. Ours, ours wouldn't. I wouldn't like ours having a hard race first time. No, no. They've oh, got that's... to enjoy it. And next second time they run, they they've learned a bit, and everything comes easier to them. You know, it'd be like it'd be like someone have started his first day of the job, putting him under under immense pressure, and then wonder, and he wouldn't be keen to go go the next day. Then would he? You know? No, no that's right. That's right. And um, obviously, in 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 the winter, we've had this whip ban. Um, enhanced, and I, although I see today that they, they've uh, apparently they've backtracked a little bit, but I mean, what what, what are your thoughts on it uh, now that it's it's here and we're stuck with it now? Well, I thought it was a silly silly to bring it in so near to Cheltenham. Yeah. If, if I think it would have been better to have brought it in at the start of the season when when it was low key racing, not on television, not in the not in the public domain so much. Yeah. The trouble is, it's a perception thing. Mm. Um. Nowadays, the whips they use 
are film covered and it's more of a noise. But the trouble is how things have gone. A lot of the public have have no experience of animals at all. Yeah. They and the co- the concept of someone hitting an animal with a with a with an object. Yeah. It's not doesn't sit very well with them. No. But of course, people who actually ride all the time and look after horses um, don't consider, consider it a problem because that's how you control an animal. Not through pain, through encouragement, yeah, you know? Yeah, and of course um, the, the word whip is a very emotive word as well, really. I mean, it, okay, that's what they're called, we can't really change it, but nonetheless it's, no. it's, it's synonymous with pain, isn't it? That's the problem. That, that is, that's the trouble. Um, but it, it's, it's perception. Yeah. And probably, and we've probably had to change it a little bit, um, I mean, we've only got to see how many of our children or grandchildren have, veg- have, have been talked into becoming vegetarians. Yeah, yeah. The whole, the whole world is changing. Yeah, it um, is. And I, I've got to say, not for the better. Yeah, yeah. No, um, that's right. That's I mean, right. I mean, people who work with horses love them. You know, yeah. they, they're, they're, they, they treat them like, like you would your pet dog, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, People who are cruel to animals would soon be out of a job in a in a racing yard. I can tell you now. <laughs> yeah, I bet they would. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You know, yeah. um, they'd be. You know, we all we look after our horses really well. And if I ever caught any of my staff mistreating an animal, they'd be down the road right away. Yeah, no, quite right. Too. And I'd probably get fined. I'd probably get fined because I hadn't given. Uh, I hadn't given them three warnings. <laughs> unfair dismissal or something stupid. Yeah. That's yes, right. that's, that's right. right. That's yeah, it. Yeah. But. Um, but I mean, I thought it was. I thought in the end, I thought the jockeys behaved themselves and took the new, new guidelines, and they, everyone worked very hard, and there was very little trouble at the meeting. Yeah, there was. That's right. Um, you know, and it was a lovely meeting. It's great racing. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, it was a good advert for, for English racing or British racing. Absolutely. Just a shame there were too many Irish. Yeah. Just a shame there were too many Irish winners. Yeah. Well, they are rather. Uh, yeah, synonymous these days with with Cheltenham, though, isn't it? Really, Willie Mullins. That's all you hear about. But, uh, well, the trouble is that he, he's been very successful at attracting both the owners to his yard yeah. and he's been very good at buying the, or buying the right horses. Yeah. And there's no secret. There's no secret to it. If, you've, if a person has a good horse, he's going to try and get, sell it for as much money as he can. And if a person in Ireland is prepared to give him more than a person in England, the horse yeah. should be trained in, in Ireland, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, what is disappointing is a lot of the... English owners have actually gone over there. Yeah. yeah. Um, because our trainers are just as good, um, but they haven't been quite so good at attracting the owners. But of course, we're um, going to get the same problem now in in on the flat racing. Of course, with with uh, Aidan O'Brien in the same similar sort of well, situation, isn't that? Yes. Well, the good thing about flat racing is um, he has great talent at his disposal at the start of the year with all his lovely yearlings he gets in. Yeah. But luckily um there's some massive breeders in England the Godolphin people mm. they do breed they they they've got a lot of firepower now um people like myself we can't really compete at the top end of the market we get the odd good youngster but for the next few years it'd be very unlikely if you had a, dar- a genuine derby horse outside of about 4 or 5 yards in yeah, in, yeah. in Europe 
Um, oh. They have all the good bloodlines nowadays, you know. I've got to ask you before we finish, what did you think of Equinox on Saturday? Was it Saturday? It was Saturday, wasn't it? And at Maiden. Oh, in the World Cup? Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, it was fantastic, wasn't it? You know, yeah. real firepower of a horse, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, and it's interesting to compare, but, compare it with Baid, though. I mean, not that we will ever get the chance to compare it, but, uh, you know, whether it was... You, you got two so-called super horses there. Um, or superstars. Yeah, well, know, it would be. Uh, it'd be an interesting it's like, race. It's like Ali. It's like it's like Ali and Fraser, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> now you're going back a bit, Rod. Come on. Exactly. Well, I'm showing <laughs> my age there, aren't I? Show yeah. me age there, but you know that's what it's like. Yeah. And um, but there'll be another super. There'll be another superstar come along to beat yeah. him because that horse will only be at his power for a certain time. Yeah, quite. And there'll be a new one come along. Yeah. And that's the exciting thing. Um, well, same with Constitution Hill in, in the jumping, isn't it? Just the same. Yeah, what a lovely horse! I mean, yeah. you know, he, but he frightens away the opposition. Yeah. Now you see, in a in a in a in a, a little bit, not quite the same, but similar context. I had Whitbar, uh, Wolverhampton in it, uh, Wolverhampton this week. Yeah, and she, she had a handicap rate of eighty four. Right, and she frightened away all the opposition, really? and we started odds on, and we we won easily. Yeah, so yeah. Um, you know, good horses frighten away opposition. Yeah, and. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know it does happen all the way down through, but yeah. um, hopefully I'll be able to put some winners, give some winners to people over the next few months. Yeah, well we hope so. <laughs> we hope so, Rod. We hope so. Is, and, uh, uh, is Princess anyway, Anne going to give you a ring for a few tips or not? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. I don't think she needs any tips from me. But yeah. I mean, what 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 happened today? I was invited to the injured jockeys fund uh, dinner at um, lunch at Corn uh, Racetrack. Now, anyone who I don't know if anyone. Who follows racing would have known of the injured jockeys fund. It's a wonderful charity. Yeah, it helps out any injured any jockey that is injured in his work at stables or on the track, and also helps stable staff. Now it's a it's a great charity. It it, it puts to shame the majority of other charities in the country. Mm. There's no chief executive earning six figure salary. Um, a higher percentage of the money raised. But the Inter Jockeys Fund is actually used to help people, or goes in the coppers. I I think if you if you looked at some of these charities for each hundred thousand pound raised, probably about ten percent goes into the charity. The rest goes in running costs. I know it's ridiculous, isn't it? The, the injured Jockeys Fund was the other way around. Yeah. Um, and the the great the people who who help it. Uh, fundraise for them. They do a fantastic job, um, and um, you know can't speak highly enough of them. They helped me when I was a jockey. Sometimes when I was injured, mm. um, because you know when you're out for a while, you've got no money coming in. Most jockeys are self-employed, and um, that's been a great thing, really. So, any if anyone's looking for somewhere something to give to charity. Please look at the injured jockeys fund. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I if remember, you're interested in race, especially if you're interested in racing. Yeah, we had um, a cricket match back in the eighties, and it was in in aid of the injured jockeys. And Lord Oaksey came down to the game. Oh um, yeah, and he was yeah. he was uh, a major player in it. I take it then, Princess yeah. Anne is a, a patron of the the injured jockeys. Yes, she's a patron. Yes, yeah. she is. Yes, yeah. she's a patron. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, all, all in all, a, a good day then. It was a really good day. Yes, really good day. Good. Well, thank you very much for coming on again, Rod. We're really glad to have you back. And um, let's hope it's going to be a really successful flat racing season for you.
Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to speak to you next week, okay? All right, lovely. Thank you. Thanks, Thank Rod. You. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that was trading Rod Milman from Columpton giving us uh, his first uh, broadcast this uh, this flat racing season. And uh, hopefully we've got a few winners coming our way. If you picked up on it, I'm not going to repeat it. It's a question of whether you were quick enough to pick up on it. Anyway, thank you, Rod, and we'll speak to you next week. And next up, we have got good old Colin Brown. Well, good evening, Colin. It's lovely to have you on the show. Have you had a startling week this week? Absolutely startling week I've had. No, <laughs> I've not had one day's work anywhere. Oh, so that was startling. Um, You've been down the so dole office, have you? Yeah, I go down the dole office and I go, I've worked for four days. I need to pick up about 25 quid dole money if I could. Yeah, and well. they go, oh, I think you've got to go home and do a few figures. So there we go. Anyway, yeah. no, I mean, no, I, I don't mind a few days off because the great thing is about my job, I'm self-employed. What I love about being self-employed is all we do is work our backsides off for the tax man. Um, and... When, when you're not at work, you're at home doing accounts, get, making sure everything's all up together and you know, you're checking this, checking that, and, and um, keeping all your books up together to, to um, you know, to, to, to put into the accountants. And then, um, but then that's you're, it. You're yeah, banging the a big bill as well, don't forget. Oh, God, I've already got one. Yeah, my accountant. Actually, just a quick story. My accountant forgot to put one payment in which um was a bit of a nuisance for this quarter because she said it's going to be x and then she goes oh don't worry con sorry sorry about this you know it's going to be another nice little lump i i forgot to put a little a payment in so there mm. anyway the great the great thing is now here i'm boring people now if you're self-employed listeners you know how hard it is self-employed if you're employed i've got plenty of friends that work four days a week and when that fourth day is up, boom, they go, oh, well, I'm going here for the weekend. I'm doing them do this. All we ever do is catch up on bills, chase people oh. that owe us money. Oh. Um, yeah, oh. All that sort of thing. Anyhow, listen, we're not here to talk about being self-employed. Did, did, I, did I tell you, does your, your, does your accountant wear black and wear a black hat and ride a white horse yeah. and say, stand yeah. and deliver all the time, do you? Yeah. 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 Uh, is is she called Dick? Yeah. Oh, I sit there. There you Same are. I rest, I rest Sa my case. Same name as you. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> anyhow, let's try and find your loveliness as a winner. Of yeah, the come on then. Get on with it. Right, dead easy. Um, look at Kempton Park on Saturday. And you know Saturday is the 1st of April. You know what that means, don't you? I do. It means it's the Lincoln... Yeah, April Fool's there. Was oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I, a good mate of mine is Merrick Francis. His dad was Dick Francis, oh, who yeah. wrote all those novels. Yeah. And it's his birthday on Saturday. I think he's about 72. So I always send him a little something and you know, have a bit of banter with him. Anyhow, at um, Kempton Park, 130, number one, Burglar. Used to be a burglar in your former life. No, I wasn't actually, and I've never had a burglar. So there you go. I, I thought you used to snuck into people's gardens and pinch their apples. No, I used to pinch peas. Oh, did you? 
Yeah, there was a field in the village where we lived that was always full up with peas in the summer. So I always used to go up there and nick a load of peas. They were really nice. Oh, yeah. nothing better than a nice fresh pea. Yeah. No, um, right, right. Berg, Burglar, Burglar will win the first at Kempton. Yeah, Burglar. Okay. Uh, Buick rides it for Godston. That will win. Okay, thank Second you. Second race on the card, Buick will ride a winner here. Called Secret State, quite a nice horse, bit of an improver for uh, Charlie Appleby. That will win. So that's the first two winners at Kempton Park on Saturday. Um, and there's a real, really decent race in there. Years ago, it used to be racing for this meeting. Because I remember a good horse that David Ellsworth had called Floyd. That, uh, I won, I don't know, 13 races on their hurdles. Um, used to come here and run. And it was really good racing. But now, well, it's good racing, but it's on the all weather. You know, I, it's nice to have turf racing, really. Mm. Right. The 315 race is a pretty, pretty good little event, to be perfectly honest. Um, very competitive. And um, you've got some quite nice horses running it. But there's a horse called Duty of Care. Trained by Osborne. It won a couple of lengths at Kempton early March. It's quite a nice type of horse. Owned by Gallagher Bloodstock. They've got lots of horses and had loads of winners over the years. Really well bred by Kingman. I think that could go close. And it's about five to one. Duty of care. That's what you've got the... for me, isn't it? It is, actually, yeah. Yeah, duty of oh, care. Oh, and while I think about it, Mary, if you're listening... It, you know, you might well get a card in the post. Get on your bike, go down the shop, get a card in the post, a little belated one, because AD was 86. A no, of days I ago. was not 86, 76. <laughs> oh, sorry. Got the, got the eight and the seven mixed up. Yeah, no, yeah. I tell you what, you're good for, you're good for your age and um, very sharp brain. So, Mary, send him a little card if you wouldn't mind. Um, <laughs> Pop one in the post or text you his address. You'd love that, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would, yeah. I'd be over the moon with that. Mary backed a few winners last weekend, so Good. she's away. Yeah. So, yeah, made a few more quid, so she can buy another packet of Old Holborn right. and another bottle of, of gin. So, right. right. Yeah. Where are we going yeah, now, then? Are we still at Kempton? Celebrating the weekend. We're still at Kempton. Here we go. Uh, last race, Kempton. Last race, Kent, five o'clock, yeah. Five o'clock is a race. Really competitive, this one. But there's a horse in it that's um, trained by George Bowie, who's uh, who won two or three off the bounce last year. It's called Simply Sand Team. I think that'll win. It's quite a nice type of horse. It's owned by Susan Roy and bred by Susan Roy. They've had some great horses in the past. Won't mind the all-weather, it's by Pivotal. And um, it was quite well beaten at Newmarket. But before then, it, it won there and it won in Newcastle. So I reckon that'll go close in the five o'clock. Simply Son Hem. Right, OK, excellent. Why are all the, right, um, why are all the top jockeys still at Kempton rather than at the Lincoln meeting? Well, because their trainers are running them there, I suppose. I don't know. Yeah, I, just I, don't, know. I don't know is the answer. Thought you'd have had more at the Lincoln meeting, but there you go. Anyway, carry on. Yeah. Yeah, you would really, I suppose. But, uh, um, we've got a jump meeting at Stratford. We've got one 
also at um, at uh, Utoxta. Yeah. Um, and the, the the one at um, the one at um, Stratford, there's a horse called Iberico Lord in the two seventeen at Stratford. That's uh, trained by Henderson, ridden by Coleman. It fell last time out at Kempton, going well. Well, it's going well enough to be in the first three. It's had a wind operation since. Won't mind the ground. I think it'll win. And it's called um, it's called Iberico Lord. Radio. Um, right, what else wins there? Yeah, I think, oh yeah, it's quite an interesting run there that, yeah, ran quite well the other day. No, sorry, whoa, my computer's gone slow. That's a blooming trouble with computers, isn't it? Yeah. I was just thinking yesterday, I think computers have been around about 36 years now, haven't they? Mm, if that's right, yeah. I remember the first one I got, and it was a long time ago. But there we go. Yeah, what, 36 years? Yeah, maybe. yeah, yeah. Um, right. That's the only bet that we've got at um, Iberico Lord at uh, <coughs> Stratford. And I'm going to go to Doncaster. It's the Brocklesby. It's the Lincoln. It's a great meeting. I love flat racing, to be perfectly honest, although I do like the, you know, I do like the... Um, Jumping, I do like the flat racing as well. Right, I'm going to give you a winner of the Brocklesby. Okay, it's a two-year-old race, and there's a horse that's pretty well bred. Um, it's owned by Ammo Racing. It costs two hundred and fifty thousand euros oh. as a yearling. Yes, and it's related to Group One and Group Three winners. Um, it's called Valadero, and I think that will win the Brockles with the first race on the card on Saturday. Kevin Stott takes the ride for Dominic French Davis, who has the horse. Um, yep, I think that will win. Right. Right. Um, the 225 at Donny on Saturday is the spring mile. I mean, it's a really, really competitive race. Um Horses like Isaacai, I can see, run the big race. Never, I don't think it... Did it win last year? No, it never won last year. But it's got some right good form, loves soft ground, runs off a reasonable mark. And I, Colin Tinkler's uh, brother, Nigel, um, trains it. It's called Isaacai, and it runs in the spring mile <clears throat> at 2.25. Okay. That's the one I fancy. Um, what's going to win the Kamich Trophy? Well, it's a pretty competitive little race, but I can see also Richard Hannon's going well called Eras. Um, Crowley rides it for Hannon. Um, it won at Newmarket the last time it ran. It was ninth for Rohan at Ascot, a very good race, um, and six at the Royal Meeting. Um, in the Commonwealth Cup of Group 1 race. And I think it ran about 9-1. to one. It was a massive price. So that's Air has uh, at Doncaster in the number three, in the three o'clock. Right, yeah. right, listeners, it's the Lincoln Handicap, a heritage handicap. And, you know, it's good to see trainers that have kicked off the year with their horses in really good form. And William Haggis has done that, hasn't he? 
um, yeah, had yeah. a couple of winners already recently. And um, he's got some good chances. Well, he won the Lincoln, I think, last year and the year before. Um, and, uh, you know, he always does well in this race. So, what wins it for Haggis on Saturday? I think probably um, his favourite, Al Mub here, is the one to be on. He's got two runners, Montesib as well. But um, I think Al Mahir is the one to win it this year. Um, of course, you know, as I say, you know, you've got such a fine record in this race, but this horse has got exceptional form and he could be a group horse, as we say sometimes, um, AD in a handicap. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, right. I am. The Saturday, there's a horse called Poker Face. I love that song, don't you? Poker Face, Poker Face. Do you know that one or? No, and don't bother to sing for us. We don't need it, thank you. Okay, you probably just know things like Sing Something for the Simple or something like that, do you? Uh, I go right back to the 60s for my sort of stuff, mate. Motown. Do you? Yeah, Motown. Oh, right, yeah. You, you would have thought at your age, probably earlier than the 60s, that maybe <laughs> radios were around. I'm sorry, sorry about all this banter, listeners. He, he never knows when to shut up. That's the problem. Anyhow, the four chain of Doncaster poker face will win. And that is it, listeners, for today. I think um, no more tips. I think a few of those will win. I really fancy quite a few of the horses I've put up this week. Right. OK, Colin. Well, thank you very much indeed. Lovely. Uh, and, and, and obviously, thank you very much for all the insults. It's lovely to have a few insults on air as well. So thank you for that. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no problem. They're free. Yeah, no, it's, re it's really good of you. You know, we're really touched. And, you know, poor old Mary getting hammered down the end of the phone from you as well. I don't know. I mean, who do you get in touch with, eh? It's disgusting. <laughs> I love Mary to death. Yeah, good yeah. old Mary. She, yeah. She's fine. She's fine. Yeah, she I loves shall, you. She'll be sending you a card. Uh, I shall look forward to this card coming. So, you know, you better, yeah. give, you better <laughs> give her the lowdown. I'll give her the lowdown. I'll give her the address of your estate yeah. in West yeah. Somerset. Right, oh, mate. Well, it's lovely to talk to you again, and we will no doubt speak to you next week. Will do. Cheers, Andy. Bye, listeners. Have a great weekend, and um, don't be caught on April Fool's Day. Right now, we're going to pop down to Brighton to catch up with uh, the Sporting Life's Simon Holt. Well, good morning, Simon. Welcome back to the show. Um, Doncaster week, uh, the Lincoln week, the flat starts. Exactly, and it's going to start with a bit of cut in the ground at Doncaster by the look of things for the first big race of the flat season. Traditionally, of course, the Lincoln Handicap, sponsored by Potemps Network. And I think uh, Doncaster are very pleased with the quality of this race. The top-rated horse in the race is Migration on 107. It's a very good quality handicap indeed. Um that doesn't make it any easier to solve, however. You know, there's a lot of horses in with chances. Yeah. I quite like the look of Awal, trained by Simon and Ed Crisford. I remember seeing this horse running early last season. I thought it was a smashing type. And he's still very lightly raced. Now, I wonder if there is a, a genuine group horse in the field. It might be Awal. That's something that um, I think you've always got to look for in the big handicaps, a horse masquerading as a handicapper. Yeah. So I think Awal... Uh, has a chance. Um, Atrium's got course and distance winning form with giving the ground. Uh, another one. Uh, one that always runs well second time out is a horse called Boardman, who's had a run this season, should be absolutely spot on for this. 
He goes for Tim Easterby, David Allen riding. And William Haggis has got uh, two very strong contenders. Uh, he runs um, Montassib, the mount of Kieran Fallon, and Al Mubir, who's been popular in the anti-post markets, uh, ridden by the now freelance Andrea at Zini. And so there are lots of horses in with chances. There's one East is another one that will go on the ground for Charlie Hills and uh, the uh, Sheikh Hissa Al Maktoum colours, former colours, of course, of Sheikh Hand and Al Maktoum. And yeah. we've also got the Cambridge winner, Majestic, who's crept in at number 21 of the 22 runners and apparently has been working very well. I would just suggest lightly that a while might be a horse that could um, go on and do better things, but uh, it's just a, a suggestion, really. Mm. Not an easy race to forecast, is it? It certainly isn't. And, and the other factor, of course, they're running on the straight mile, and you don't know if there's going to be any draw bias, and you don't know whether you want to have a low number or, or a high number. And yeah. a, a little bit of that will be demystified earlier on with the consolation race, uh, again, over the straight mile, the uh, spring mile. And in this, I thought there were two interesting runners, and they're drawn on opposite, opposite sides of the track. Uh, one is Isla Kai, who's getting quite well handicapped now. has got a good record at Doncaster, uh, albeit only winning on the round course, but has got good form on straight courses as well. And his trainer, Nigel Tink, has had a couple of winners recently. And drawn on the other side is last year's winner of the race, Arthur's Realm who's drawn in 22, and he had a little pipe opener at Newcastle the other day, and uh, he had one run last season before winning this race. He's got to defy an eight-pound higher mark, but he very nearly won off a, off a six-pound higher mark later on last season. So he's got a very good chance as well, Arthur's Realm and Isla Kai in the uh, Constellation Spring Handicap. Okay, that's fine then. Thank you for that, Simon. And uh, did you see um, Equinox last weekend? Well, I mean, it, it just um, knocked your knocked your eyes out, didn't it? I yeah. Mean, you know, I, I'd seen his win on video of, uh, uh, when he won the Arima Kinnan, which is one of the big races in Japan, and I thought, wow, that looks a hell of a good horse, you know. And, yeah. And I thought he would take some beating. The market suggested, of course, that he was going to take all the beating. So it would have been a surprise if if he had been beaten. But the manner of his victory was just astonishing. I know people since have been saying, well, they can take the former part of a bit, Westover in second place, probably... Um, not not um, in that sort of class, but ran well, uh, even though he won the Irish Derby last season for Westover. Didn't really go on, perhaps, um, later on last season, but he could do this season. But even so, uh, he's still a decent horse, and this Equinox just swept him aside, virtually on the bridle, and he's just an incredible mover. I think yeah. he's got to be one of the best horses I've seen on that performance. And, really? Yeah. Uh, and there are already, there's already comparisons with some of the great horses, you know. Um, but whether he'll return to Europe again, I just don't know. I think the ground might be quite important, the way he moves. He just really floats across the grounds. Yeah. And, of course, the prize money in Japan is huge. Yeah. And there has yeah. been thought, well, maybe he'll come up, come back and run in the Prix de l'Art de Triomphe because that's a race that Japanese trainers would love to win, and they've gone close several times. But the way Paris has been in the last few autumns, it's been very soft ground for the arc. And um, 
I, I don't know that that would really suit him. But who knows? It, mm. He's a very exciting horse. There's no question. One of the, I suppose, one of the best horses we we had by Eid last season. You know, he's another exciting, really super talented flat horse. Yeah, and um, all the, or I say all, a lot of the top jockeys seem to be going to Kempton tomorrow. Well, yes, I mean that's quite a good good meeting on the um, on the poly track at, at Kempton, and uh, we've got um, a, a couple of um, bolt type races there. There's the listed Magnolia Stakes, um, which is over a mile and a quarter, and it features the return of the Godolphin trained uh, Secret State, who had a very good season last last term. He does, however, come into this race having disappointed on his last start last season he's been gelded since and he's now having a second run since a wind operation so obviously there's been a few little issues with him he's the highest rated horse in the race but also the trip looks a little bit potentially a little bit short because his best form last season was definitely over a mile and a half and he ran over a mile and six on his final start last season. he might be worth opposing with a horse that really loves the course called Bellocchio trained by David Manuissier who won his last two starts at Kempton uh, last season really likes the track again the Marlin two is probably a little bit shy of his best but when he won over a Marlin three on his penultimate start at the end of last season he was in front some way out so he had the speed to uh, get to the front some way over a furlong out so that's promising in terms of his hopes over a mile and a quarter I thought he looked a bit of value Bellocchio I think he's about five or six to one and then a bit later on there's the um, Queen's Prize, which is a famous race, isn't it? You probably remember the Queen's Prize going back years and years. And it's not the prestigious race that it used to be, but it's attracted quite a, a nice little field. Sleeping Lion and Bandanelli, they've met before. Bandanelli won this race last year. And an improving type for the Andrew Balding team called Aztec Empire, who um, last time out uh, won over the course of the distance, we stepped up to two miles for the first time. So that really seemed to benefit him. He looks an interesting horse. Not too sure about that remark. I might remember him. Are you going to suggest I'm <laughs> old or something? Well, I, well, I remember it. And I think you can give me a few years. <laughs> yeah, probably. I, an extra one this week. So, yeah, definitely. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, but we, we don't talk about that. We ignore it. We're, we're, going, we're going backwards on the count now. Um, okay, Simon, um, just before you go, have you got a, a couple of horses to follow on the flat this season? Oh, now you really have bought me a bouncer there. Yeah. Um, you really have. Um, it's, I'm still in jump race mode, really. Let me just try and think off the top of my head. Well, there is a horse running, actually, in the first race at Kempton tomorrow uh, for John and Thady Gosden called Burglar, who won at Lingfield first time out. And I was quite impressed with him. He's um, actually got an entry in the derby. And um, although the form, I don't think, was very special, at Kempton. He's a, he's a very well-bred horse by Cracksman out of a mare who's produced some good winners, one called Frankly Darling, who, like um, like uh, Burglar, runs in the Oppenheimer colours. So I think he's an interesting horse. I mean, there's going to be so many nice horses to, to come out later on. And, of course, the horse they're all talking about over in Ireland is August Rodan, who earlier this week, Aidan O'Brien, was saying, well, if there's one horse that could be a, a, a triple crown winner, in the yard this season it could be him and you know he he did look um pretty good didn't he i think uh, at yeah. the back end of last you know he's an exciting 
very exciting horse and um and seems to be the top of the pile at um at Valley Door. He won the um well, it's still called the racing pro no, it's called the Vertem Futurity now, isn't it? The group one at Doncaster on heavy ground. And Aidan O'Brien thinks that he won really despite things not really going ideally for him. Uh, he's a superbly bred horse by Deep Impact out of a, a very good mare called Rhododendron, um, who this is the first foal, I think, of Rhododendron, uh, who was very high class as a three-year-old. So I think August Rodan is it's not a particularly inspiring selection, but um, off the top of my head, seeing as you just bounced a uh, old mare, a right old uh, bouncer, um, <laughs> I'll mention those two. <laughs> okay, well, I'll tell you what I'm doing, Simon. Um, hopefully, you'll be coming back next week to talk about the Grand National. So, that'll give you a yes. week to have a think about it, all right? Yes, we'll have a think about it. Fine. Right, I'll okay. try. Lovely <laughs> job. <laughs> okay, Simon, well, thanks very much for all that. That's great stuff. Just what we want. All right. Hopefully, there's a few winners there. And um, yeah, you have a good weekend. Okay. Thank you, AD. All the best. And you, sir. Thank you. Bye bye. Well, that was Simon Holt from the Sporting Life casting dispersions on my age again but um, hopefully he's brought a few winners to the table for us and uh, no doubt we will be speaking to him again shortly but in the meantime it brings to an end this edition of the racing show here on Three Valleys Radio I hope you've enjoyed it, I hope there's a few winners there for you and we'll catch up with you again next week, until then this is Aidy Hopper, so bye for now <laughs>